Hi, this is Andrea Borcha. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Far Stuff. The Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff. Sports! Yay! We're talking about sports. Let's go! Go sports. Andrea. Yes. Imagine a world where you have sensors in your balls <laughs> and your other equipment like bats and golf clubs and helmets. Yeah. This sounds like it's really relevant with the recent insanity around the World Cup. What is that thing, the World Cup? Is that like a big cup? It, it's, it, it's, it's so big, it fits the world, or so I've heard. It seems like that sport's getting a lot more popular in the States even. It is recently. I've noticed that too. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with our... Like, I think it's because our team's actually pretty good this year. Is it? Yeah. The World Cup only happens once every four years. And the last two, um, I think the US wasn't uh, particularly impressive. Huh. And so we weren't particularly interested. But now we've, we're, we're, we're really owning up. I mean, we're, we're, we've come prepared and we're properly competing with the other countries. And so this is actually really exciting. That's I don't cool. think we're quite at the level of Europe where, you know, major cities are silent watching. And then you just hear one half of the city just start cheering out of nowhere. And I've, I've been in foreign countries during major world. Really? Uh, I bet that's crazy. Soccer slash football right? events. And I mean, you think 49er fans and Raider fans uh-huh. are crazy. Uh-huh. This is a whole new world. That's excellent. I can't wait. To achieve that level of crazy in our home country. <laughs> I'm very excited as well. Cool. But anyway, so getting back to the topic at hand, uh, as the Internet of Things expands and brings together all our sensors and algorithms and big data and Bluetooth, et cetera, et cetera, we will see it infiltrating more and more into sports, especially with the successes we've seen in recent developments. Um, in a previous episode, we actually briefly mentioned the Olympics outlawing certain IOT realm swimsuits for Olympic swimmers. Right. Basically, smart suits got a little too smart. Yes. And, the and, and they considered it um, unfair competition. They ain't seen nothing yet. That's all I can say. I, I would definitely say that's true. So major areas of development for IoT. I mean, obviously the first one and, and the one that everyone focuses on the most is the performance training aspect. Right. We've seen companies that are kind of a new in this space combining the Internet of Things in sports like Zep Labs. They actually have an Internet of Things device. They call it a sensor, but it's really a conglomeration of sensors that can mount on uh, baseball bats, golf clubs, and tennis rackets. And that really opens up a whole new view into what you're actually doing with that thing in your hand to that other thing that's hitting the thing in your hand. And that can be used by a coach to help improve your golf swing. Uh, it can be used to help you get a lot more power out of your uh, stroke. Whatever, whatever you need to do to improve your game, this provides a whole new view on that that a, a, just kind of a video camera alone couldn't possibly capture. It's basically like bringing big data to sports rather than just trying to use you know, visual and the feel and uh, implications of every movement, we're bringing in some of the major components of the Internet of Things. So we've got sensors. We've mentioned some of this. So sensors, uh, basically like accelerometers are huge, pretty much across all the sports. Mm-hmm. Microlocation, GPS and beacons help monitor the speed and accuracy and location of different aspects, whether it's the ball, the bat, the glove, the user, parts of the user, 
um, basically across all that. And then all these sensors and all of these gathering information, uh, pull it together in some sort of smart algorithms and right. big data to sports. Absolutely. The, the ZEP device we just mentioned, for example, has a gyroscope, two accelerometers and an arm processor in it. Like I said, there's different adapters to allow you to adapt it to different sports. And from a big data perspective, in the last 30 days, uh, the CEO of ZEP Labs has said that it's been used by his customers to collect data on a half a million golf swings, for example. Yeah. So even at this very nascent stage, that's an incredible amount of data. Imagine when it's commonplace. Well, a lot of the information we've been seeing specifically in this area is the professional arena much like in the commercial space where the military pilots and creates interesting technology and then they move into the commercial space. You've seen a lot of the professional sports creating really amazing technology for monitoring performance, um, making training more accurate, making uh, the information you get to make minor adjustments in how you interact more accurate and more helpful. We will see some of that trickling down into the commercial space, and I think we already do a little bit. Yeah, the Zip Labs, I think, is is mostly a consumer play, but I think I think you're right. I think that, and the reason we're focused on professional sports for this podcast is that's where all the money's at. <laughs> that's where the ROI on the Internet of Things is already enormous because these sports teams have so much money uh, tied up in their success. Absolutely, and. You'll see companies like Adidas that we we all know pretty well, um, really on the forefront of trying to develop really interesting things. I mean, they've been developing actually for the last five to ten years. Uh, interesting, and and some of them have been flops. They had a uh, Adidas One, which was their first smart shoe, which had a sensor and magnet in the heel, and it would customize your cushioning based on readings from the sensor. So the the shoe would automatically adjust based on. Um, how well you did. And they tried to get that out into the retail market for $250 and it didn't seem to go over very well. Yeah. They seem to have the product market fit a little off on that product. Yeah. If I, I think a lot of this stuff will of course have value for pros for the consumer. It's not going to intrinsically have a, a value beyond what they're paying today, but everything will get so cheap and the opportunity will be there to extend the reach to the consumer with other complementary services that they can charge for that are related to this. I think companies like Adidas and Nike will become in a large part software companies dealing with the big data created by their products. Definitely, especially with all the money that's in them. But when you look at performance and training, it's not just a measure of what you're currently doing, but it, a lot of the apps and uh, devices we've already seen out there make recommendations, slight recommendations. I mean, things like even turn your heel a quarter of an inch more to the left when you try to serve a ball in tennis or when your golf swing in particular, just all these little intricacies can make such a difference. And they've already seen really significant changes with soccer and uh, a lot of the other sports. So you have to have that kind of level of commitment to retrain yourself on how you run and how you golf and how you throw a football, because that's something that, I mean, most of these people have been doing for 10, 20 years, and now you have to make an adjustment and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I think they'll do well. I think they're used to taking feedback from coaches. I think they're used to coming from a humble place and being able to take feedback. But the question is, who is going to create those recommendations? Because we've talked about how these sensors create 
tons of data. It's easy to get data, but that data, it's meaningless until you actually have an algorithm that can turn that into meaning, into knowledge. And so how do you codify the knowledge that these coaches have learned over the course of their long esteemed careers and turn that into something that can offer analysis and help to someone, some arbitrary person based on some arbitrary sensor data. That will be the challenge. That will be the moonshot of professional sports and the IOT is really the software and the big data aspect of it. I think it almost takes it to a a level uh, that makes it easier to communicate because I think in traditional coaching, you just have to trust the person in front of you that that's telling you you're turning your foot too far or you're opening your racket when you play tennis or whatever. But really, now you'll have something that visually shows it as your coach is telling you, you need to tuck in a little bit more, you need to move this way, you need to do that. And then you'll have probably uh, a lot of the apps that we've seen have full body imagery that shows exactly which muscles you're working, when you sh- which muscles you should be working. And you can really start concentrating that. So maybe it makes it a lot faster and easier to educate in that respect. Yeah, potentially. And I'm sure the coach will be involved at least at first because he will ideally have facts derived from the data. But eventually you have to wonder if the algorithms can turn the raw sensor data into knowledge. Yeah. And that knowledge can be part of an expert system that turns that into specific recommendations. What does the coach do at that point? Well, along those same lines, we've been seeing a lot of the IoT focus, not just on performance and training, but also in safety. Because all of that sensor data that's being pulled in is now going to major universities to study the impacts. Football in particular in America, so American football, (laughs) has come under a lot of scrutiny recently with a lot of payouts to football players that have gotten some serious brain injury. And so now there's a lot of focus on putting Internet of Things into football players' helmets and pads. Uh, Stanford is even doing a study with an athlete's mouthpiece. So at Stanford's Rose Bowl win on uh, New Year's Day this past year, the players were wearing high-tech mouth guards, and that was helping them collect the force that was used on various levels of impact and trying to figure out what level of impact is acceptable When should you pull a player out, even if you think they're okay? We're trying to get a lot more accurate so that professional athletes can play safer, longer. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. The fact that that's all objective scares the crap out of me as a parent. And I will not let my kids play football just because it's well understood that no one really knows how much exposure is safe. Everyone knows that exposure of these hard jolts will cause damage. They just don't know how much. And how much is acceptable. And so, yeah, if there's an objective way to measure that kind of damage and they know what that will result, you know, in their brain in 20 years, the effects of that, then I would feel much more comfortable. Well, I think the the issue has been, I mean, a concussion test hasn't really changed much in in the last couple of decades. From from what I understand, you, you pretty much assess answers to questions. You look in their eyes to see if they're fading and I mean, there's a couple there's a couple key steps that they do, but what about where you got the concussion? Is that more influential? And I think that's the kind of stuff they're really starting to learn from the helmet. So if you get hit more from the back or mm. the side, and uh, that's why I thought that mouth guard was particularly interesting because if anyone's ever had a head injury, your jaws tend to clamp down based on where you've hit. And some are a lot harder than others, and you can have jaw repercussions as well. And so 
actually understanding how your skull and bone structure and jaw and jaw <laughs> joints absorb that force, right. I think can really influence not only noticing when somebody could be in danger and should be pulled out of the game, but also probably figuring out a more effective way of treating these injuries when they happen. I think that's great. Just the safety aspects alone um, of the of the head and neck <laughs> impacts is enough. But then you have things like uh, you can put them in knee pads. I mean, there's all kinds of places where you can put sensors, including their clothing, that might be valuable depending on the sport. So mostly that would be accelerometers and probably even some beacons and definitely some algorithms with that. But the other one that came up is heat sensors, because a lot of the professionals with all the pads and the helmet playing in the middle of the heat in the South. Right. And they had some serious problems with overheating. So now they've actually got temperature sensors in the helmets as well now. Yeah, that would be brilliant. You can imagine, you know, the accelerometer or more accurately, the accelerometer in this case being used in combination with beacons to determine who hit who. And just having that record, I think, would be useful because if you have a kid out on the field, I mean, I know we're talking about professional sports and and certainly... It's important for them as well because they're paid massively for it. But as this stuff trickles down to like average ordinary high schools and stuff, I can't imagine a nicer outcome of of the Internet of Things and how it applies to sports safety. I think that's actually a really interesting point because I can imagine that quite a few injuries have gone unnoticed in in large play. You know, if you have a, a pile on in a football where everyone just kind of jumps on top of each other, it can look like it was completely not deliberate. but the sensor data could show that somebody did actually hit someone in an illegal manner. Right. And somebody at the bottom of the pile may get all the attention. Meanwhile, somebody in the middle of the pile might actually be hurt and and not have any immediate symptoms, but sensor data could show that, look, this person really got smashed. Yeah. But as the sensor data gets more accurate, you can start figuring out as an officiator or an umpire or a ref that something flag worthy happened where otherwise you would never have been able to see it or you would have assumed that it was just the nature of gameplay when somebody actually did something malicious so that could take officiating even to a whole new level yes and that i think is a really important point it is going to change officiating 100 percent. we talked a little bit in preparation for this about i did not personally realize how important instant replay was to sports it was invented in mid-50s on film. I guess the inventor is considered to be Tony Verna of CBS, who used a machine that weighed 1,300 pounds to create uh, the first American football instant replay machine. Wow, that's really impressive. It's, it's pretty impressive. It was He was able to kind of convert a standard uh, tape-based machine to do instant replays, and it changed football. It's commonly acknowledged that even though football was popular before instant replay, they believe that really... It was the primary factor in the rise of American football on television. I believe it. It revolutionizes how you watch the show, how you experience football, how you talk about it, how you absorb what just happened. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that can only be done on TV, too, which is something Marshall McLuhan thought was important enough to comment on. So he's he's a famous communication theorist, and he said that any medium contains the all prior media within it. And as an example, he actually picked instant replay. So his quote was, until the advent of instant replay, televised football had served simply as a substitute for physically attending the game. The advent of instant replay, which is possible only with television, 
marks a post-convergent moment in the medium of television. Absolutely. It starts sensationalizing football. It cues the viewer to instantly know what plays were important because those are the ones that get instant replay. And you can relive those impressive moments, which just spurs conversation and makes it something crazy popular. For sure. It allows the producer to editorialize. It allows some additional drama. When slow motion instant replay came in, oh my the drama oh, yeah. of an instant replay can be excruciating. And pretty much anything in slow motion is very <laughs> is, impressive. Is very dramatic. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the thinking for IoT is, and I'm not sure I've heard anyone speak about this yet. So listener, you may be the first to hear this idea, but, but we're thinking that IoT could be even more important to sports than instant replay in the sense that if you take the combination of sensors and transmitters and the equipment and the clothing, you can actually get an experience that could not be done except on the internet. And to Marshall McLuhan's point, any new medium contains all prior media within that. And we've seen that with the internet and things like television. So if you consider that the internet is a superset of what's happened on television and that instant replay enabled things that could only be done on television that could not be done by just watching the game. The Internet of Things enables a whole new experience that can only be done on the Internet with the combination of all these Internet of Things devices. Initially, everything had to be visual. What the umpire or ref heard and saw in, in his actual world in front of him. And then you had the instant replay and televising things, which really influenced the most recent NFL games right before the Super Bowl, where points could actually be removed based on the refs watching instant replays and saying, oh, nope, that guy actually did go out of bounds. Right. I believe that's even relatively recent. I yep, mean, it was instant just replay, this past year. Just the past year. That's incredible. First so time. Instant replay was invented in 1963. And in what, 2013? Yep. 2013. Was that, that rule was changed. Yeah. Where before, yes, you could have instant replay, but it was meant essentially for the consumer. 50 years later. Yeah. That's finally when we trusted instant replay enough that the umpire or ref or officiant, based on uh, which sport you're talking about, mm-hmm could start using it. Same thing with tennis. Now in professional tennis, they have a screen in front of them and they can then assess it. I think in tennis, certain tennis matches, it's still the original call that goes regardless of what's shown on the screen. Mm -hmm. But in some, they've already started changing that. The NBA was really pretty late to the game, so to speak, as well. They they first instituted instant replay in the 2002 and three season. But only in 2007 and eight, you know, they're still adding rules. In 2008 and 2009, they're, they still added the ability to determine whether a scored field goal is worth two or three points. And so if you can imagine what just one other video perspective, how much that has changed those games. Imagine an Internet of Things perspective where you have hundreds, maybe thousands of data points that can be used to reconstruct the situation all the sensors determining who got hit where, beacons to determine exactly where someone was when they leashed the ball. What happened to the ball? Sensors in the ball that determine exactly where it is at any given point of time in relationship to the players. And the hoop and the goals and the actual field itself could have sensors in it. It's not overstating the case to say that this will change everything. Yeah, it almost becomes you're, you're in a giant human game <laughs> of foosball. You really are. Where, the, you mean, the players are, are literally just 
it gives you it gives you a godlike perspective on exactly. everything that's happening on the field. If you take it that to the next level, um, as a fan, you could literally track a person's entire body. As the, if you right. have your favorite football player, you could see every time his knee got hit, mm-hmm. every time your his shoulder got hit. You know he's got a bum, you know, left knee, and it it just slightly gets hit, and you change your fantasy lineup. Right. I mean, I mean, baseball is sort of a stats game already. But can you imagine the kinds of stats we will have when players are routinely rigged with an array of sensors and other devices? We saw that a bit in the movie Moneyball that showed kind of a major shift in how baseball is done, where it used to be about collecting the most valuable individual players, Mm -hmm. but instead using big data to look at the entire cohesive group to see which would be the most likely to create a winning team. But now, if you take in all this additional sensor data and all that additional information, rather than a resume to the stats of everything, your instep, your uh, gait, your speed, your muscle tone, your fat percentage, I mean, all of these stats are going to be the most important because that'll all fit into the giant big data equations. Right. And those data equations happen sort of in batch mode. What I think happens with the Internet of Things is instead of revisiting those stats, after each game, people are going to have this access to an incredible amount of data real time during a game. And you might see substitutions that you would never otherwise see before the Internet of Things. And this data happen during a game because they're going to real time know that, look, this guy is flagging. Like, you may not be able to tell it, but he's off his game by 7%. Send in the other guy. Which just introduces a whole new world of gamers and nerds into the world of sports like there's never been before. Potentially. I heard this great description of football being described as a giant live-action role-playing game. And for a guy who hated football his whole life, suddenly he was like, oh, it's a LARP? I can totally get into this. I I get it. And And some people will really enjoy that data, and other people will ignore it, and they'll like football the way it used to be. With the Internet of Things and big data, it has the potential to even connect fans more intimately than they've ever been connected before. Absolutely. So, for example, you have the scoreboard, and they show all kinds of interesting stuff. But with things like Google Glass or Android Wear on your wrist, everyone will have their own scoreboard. Everyone can watch the things that they're interested in, the players that they're interested in. It's going to become a much more personal game, in a sense. Or when next time we have the crowd shot across an entire stadium of football fans, everyone's looking down at their iPhone or their iPad where they're scanning through players, and no one's <laughs> right. actually looking at the field anymore. That could be. There's absolutely no point anymore going to the live event. Pretty soon you'll have, you know, the entire experience. Actually, you'll have a, com- a completely different technical experience on your iPad. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they'll be able to tweet from their helmets, too. Kind of give him a sense. <laughs> Knee pads and helmets that tweet you, sure. let you know what's going on. Sure, why not? You already talked about a situation that I thought was interesting, and I wanted you to talk about it again. But you said there was a scenario where people can get alerts when a soccer ball goes through the goal? Yes. So recently with FIFA, when you get into the smart soccer ball, there's a couple... And is that an approved thing? Yes. It's called goal control. It's a wearable sensor that vibrates when the ball passes through the goalpost. And it's the first ever FIFA certified goal line technology. And it's been installed in Germany. So basically all the refs on the field in Germany in particular, but during these soccer 
games uh, for the World Cup Mm -hmm. now instantly know if something is headed goal or not. So basically with the goal control 4D, it's a system that meets all of FIFA's criteria for goal line technology. It assists the referees substantially with the decision of goal or no goal. So there are 14 cameras mounted on the stadium roof or catwalk. The system captures a three-dimensional position of the ball with very high precision in the air and on the pitch. I see. So this array of cameras is actually, instead of having a sensor in the ball, which would change the ball's weight and performance. And I'm sure they're not comfortable with that. Right. Not yet. They have a an array of cameras that recreates a 3D scene and knows the ball's position within that. Yes. That's great. The refs receive in less than one second a vibration and an optical signal on their watches to hmm. let them know that a goal's happened. And so because there are only a certain limited number of people on the field at any point that need to call a goal and things happen really fast in these games, mm-hmm. uh, they can instantly know a goal and call it faster, which is, you know, really improves the, the play of the game overall. Well, it sounds like the refs trust the system as well. If FIFA certified it, then yeah, they absolutely trust well, I, it. I don't know. If- I don't know if they, they <laughs> like it. Um, yeah. There, there was some mixed feedback in American football with the whole being able to look at the replays mm-hmm. and make change your decision. Sure, we've seen it's taken forever. I'm suspecting that there may be some refs globally that are also a little concerned about this watch, le- letting them know about uh, whether or not the, there's been a goal. It's interesting, though, that you mentioned the ball because Adidas came out with the Me Coach Smart Ball. And they swear up and down that it's this regulation weight, quality, all with an integrated sensor for perfectly placing kicking skills. So it's an amazing training item. Oh, that's interesting. So we might see some technologies coming from the consumer side up. Yeah. Because of the politics and the human factor around Internet of Things devices and pro sports. I think there's a difference. So this one definitely falls in the training realm. And I think it's much more for professionals, but they do also sell it for consumers. Mm. And then you can, you know, post your to Facebook all your scores and your right. trends and your kicking style and share your best kicks and all these ball mastery technique videos they have. So they're really trying to build a social network around it. But I think there's always going to be a bit of hesitation. So even when you're looking at the... Uh, previously mentioned goal control, you can see that it doesn't actually alter any of the official equipment. The goal post, the the goal is the same. Makes sense. Uh, the field is the same. The shoes are the same. The, the ball is the same. So I think as of right now, generally, as we've seen also with the Olympics, mm-hmm. for professional sports, they're comfortable with IoT in the training realm, but they want to stay traditional in the real realm. And since the goal control is just cameras, that doesn't really affect or influence or exchange anything, Mm -hmm. I think that's the comfort level for sure. Okay. So what we see is we see a period of time in which IOT adoption happens in stages. The first stage being right now, it's this weird esoteric thing that people are quote unquote experimenting with. Next, we'll probably see mainstream adoption by the professional sports folks in terms of training. Absolutely. We'll say. Probably coming from the coach side for sure, because the more data the coach has, the better they can do their job. Right. Potentially can make the coach look like a god, you know, among his teammates. The power of big data. The power of big data got me a better job. Great. (laughs) Um, But in the 40 years down the line, and it could take that long, we may start seeing adoption of the IoT as part of the official scoring mechanism 
of sports? It, it'll be a tough one. I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to try and keep sports traditional for as long as humanly possible. I think technology is going to advance and eventually there might be enough pressure. Maybe there'll be a split in leagues. You know, there's the traditional soccer where it's a, just a normal ball. Because I mean, right. there are very strict regulations on a football, actually. Sure. It's almost like you have to go to a special certification and it's like an art to oh, create a sure. real football. Same with same with the soccer ball. I yes. mean, there there was a neat graphic the other day about how the soccer ball has evolved over the past you know number of decades, and it's pretty great. And I think we can probably take the instant replay as a model where basically a generation has to die, <laughs> and then everyone else will just take it as you know take it for granted that instant replay has always been here. And I think the same will happen for IoT. You know, our kids will take it for granted that IoT has always been a part intrinsic part of sports and they will, you know, have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to integrating that into and the game. They might be the influence that says, well, I don't want to watch some sport. If I don't get all the data, I get data on everything else I watch. That's right. So, right. you know, I, I can know Kristen Bell's body temperature when I'm watching her on TV. I should be able to know. <laughs> well, that happened. Uh, probably. Has someone alerted her? Not yet. Only her? Only her. No, I'm my my thought is as TV and movie and cinema and uh -huh. and basically the entertainment industry is trying to find a thousand different ways to get you better connected to the celebrities you're absolutely obsessed with. Right. I'm guessing they'll have to do the same thing for sports. I think you're right. You're going to have to know everything, especially sports with with betting. I mean, that's an entirely different thing when you have fantasy football and you have all these fantasy games and you have people that are actually gambling real money that takes it to a whole new level. I mean, you, you want to know how badly injured somebody's knee is if you've just put a thousand dollars on oh, in Vegas. Right. How much more dramatic could it be if you have all this data that, that today, you know, people might be, you know, fake it or whatever, or, you know, it's also not good for people to fake it. So just for their health, but yeah, for the drama of it, for the connection to the fans, for the story, Every game has a story. Internet of Things could really enhance that. And to Marshall McLuhan's point that any new medium contains all prior media within it, we're turning these games into internet-native sports. Right now, they're TV-native, and that's great for now. We're a TV-native society, but there's a whole new generation of folks coming up that are internet-natives, and those people are going to demand internet-native sports, and IoT is the way they do that. Even TV, TV is becoming internet. So that's right. I mean, well, uh, to his point, yep. Internet subsuming everything. So the Internet of Things is going to completely flip professional sports around, and on multiple different levels. I mean, we, we've talked about how it affects performance, training, your ability to to really understand even the slightest nuance that could make a huge difference in your performance. And considering this is not only your livelihood, but the livelihood of many, many other people, I really see that training is the place to watch. That's definitely where it's going to explode first mm -hmm. and then trickle into the other realms we've talked about. Good. So within 10 years, what do you think? Ooh. There won't be a professional sport that doesn't depend heavily on the IoT for its experience is yeah. what I think. And I think it would be really interesting because it right now, sports and the Olympics have this, especially the Olympics have this core concept that anyone could be an Olympian if you just work hard enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that was always something really beautiful about sports, as long as you work hard enough. But in 10 years, 
It might not be if you work hard enough. It may be if you have enough money to get the coach that has the IOT stuff that can give you the feedback you need. Because you might be really good, but you're still going to need to know that you aren't hitting appropriately with your racket in tennis or you've kicked slightly off. And someone that's not as good as you, but has access to that kind of feedback might excel over someone with natural talent. That's a good point. I hope that window is very small. You know, we tend to radically overestimate what technology can do in, say, two or three years. But we also tend to radically underestimate what it can do in seven or ten years. So I'm hoping the democratization process for that technology, hoping that window is short. And I'm hoping it's something that just everybody can take advantage of if they want. For sure. I do really like where IoT is going with safety, though. I think that's long overdue, that there's really starting to pay attention to unsafe circumstances and uh, resulting injuries and appropriate medical information. As we've talked before, the expansion of electronic health records you could have some very, very accurate safety data for people that perform rigorously in an athletic profession. Right. And I think that could really revolutionize how we take care of um, this particular subset of the population. And that would be really impressive. And the nice thing about that is, unlike some of the big data analysis, that's one of the easier things to analyze. Yeah. Like you have an accelerometer, you know how badly you were hit. And where, the exact point of impact. And that can greatly affect your knee, which is a pretty complex juncture in right. your body. You right, know? absolutely. No, all good stuff. It'll also be really interesting to see where we go with officiating and uh, the fan interactivity and seeing wh- where that ends up. I- I'm really curious. I know uh, I'm making fun of where the it's going with the entertainment industry, but I mean, it's not the most ridiculous thing that's been proposed with tracking everything about everyone you ever wanted to watch. No, you're right. You're right on. And some of that data will not be made available to fans, especially early on. But I think ultimately you're right. I think ultimately there will be people in forums for the teams debating endlessly what, you know, a certain uh, hit means for player X. I think it'll be a a huge part of the community. Yeah, fans will demand it and future aspiring athletes will absolutely demand it because they'll want to know how their favorite athlete performed and what their favorite, you know, left-hand hitter, how he hits the ball so they can try and mimic it. I mean, they're doing it now. You know, all these aspiring kids are watching sports and trying to throw the ball exactly the same way that, um, you know, all these famous athletes are doing it. But Well, there's a future thing that's kind of related to that, where if you have enough data, you can actually reconstruct a game. Yeah, And so 30 years down the line, if there's a, a famous play in 30 years, instead of just watching that on a grainy VHS style thing like we do today for games played in 1975, you'll actually have this amazing, almost potentially immersive experience of that game. You put on your Oculus Rift Descendant, which now fits into your eye like a contact lens, and you're in the game. It could be amazing. So another side effect of this data is that it could create entirely new entertainment experiences. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form at farstuff.com or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. And this brings us to the end of our thing. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Go sports. Go sports ball.
Imagine a world where you have sensors in your balls. <laughs> I'm not the one that wrote that. I'm not the one that wrote that. That's just to be clear. Uh, I do want to start that way, but then I'll continue right away.